my earlier businesses, it was much less mission or purpose driven. It was just really about kind of here's an idea, let's go build it. Um, and I think over the years, I realized how how important it is both for me and for the team to have a business that is very sort of mission centered or very purpose you know, focused. You know, for me, you know, building a business that is not just successful, but is having a positive impact on the world is something that's incredibly motivating. Uh, and I think that translates to the team as well. So it's not just I want to go work for a company, but I want to be part of something, part of a movement that's, that's really having you know, more of an impact. Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast. I'm Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant, and my mission is to help the world's top CEOs and entrepreneurs shift from incremental to exponential progress and create a huge positive impact on our world. Now, that requires you to reinvent yourself and transform your business. So, if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Jeff Grass is a serial entrepreneur with three successful exits under his belt. And he's now the chief exec of Hungry Marketplace. This is a business that aims to put together professional chefs on one hand with uh, companies and needing catering on the other. But what sets him apart is his strong sense of purpose and mission and how he decided in this iteration of his entrepreneurial career, he wanted to create a business that not only succeeds, but also has a positive impact on the world. So we talk about what the shift was for him in his own mindset and focus, how he shifted from building traditional profit-centered businesses to something that's more purpose-driven. And we look at how Hungry provides this compelling value proposition that does make the world a better place uh, in so many different dimensions. So enjoy this really interesting conversation with Jeff Grass of Hungry. Hi, Jeff, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Richard. Excited to be here. Well, anyone who's got a business called Hungry is good in my books, if you're honest. I'm a, I'm a foodie, food lover, so looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. What I know about you, Jeff, is that you are a serial entrepreneur. You've had, I think, three successful exits of venture-based companies, uh, and Hungry is your, is your current one. And what I understand is that it's a, bit of a, it's a bit different because you set up this business with an extra dose of purpose, perhaps, compared with previous ones. So perhaps we start there. Tell us a little bit in a, in a nutshell about what Hungry is, but perhaps the story of what changed between exit number three and beginning of business number four. Sure, sure. So uh, quick high level on Hungry. We are a, uh, a B2B food tech company. We're essentially a platform or marketplace that connects companies, you know, really corporate America to top local chefs and restaurants to provide office and event catering. Um, what sets us apart is we work with top chefs that cook um, primarily out of ghost kitchens, um, sort of independent chefs, uh, and then we own all the delivery and the service to make it ultra reliable and a VIP level of service. Uh, in terms of, uh, of Hungry, we are a very purpose-driven company. Our core purpose is to improve the lives of everyone we touch with a special focus on four key groups, which is the chefs who are partners on the platform, the clients that we serve, giving back in the communities where we operate, and our team. And, uh, and I'd say, you know, what, what really inspired that was my earlier businesses, it was much less mission or purpose driven. It was just really about kind of, here's an idea, let's go build it. Um, and I think over the years, I realized how, 
how important it is both for me and for the team to have a business that is very sort of mission-centered or very purpose-focused. You know, for me, you know, building a business that is not just successful, but is having a positive impact on the world is something that's incredibly motivating. Uh, and I think that translates to the team as well. So it's not just, I want to go work for a company, but I want to be part of something, part of a movement that's, that's really having you know, more of an impact. Yeah, well, let's dive into that because what I hear is, yeah, you want to have a positive impact on all these different stakeholder groups. Part of, you know, one way of looking at the business, of course, is it's, you know, it's, deliver- it's doing what it's doing, right? Bringing companies together with chefs. And, and so I'm wondering, like, what was it different in the previous businesses? Because presumably you wanted to serve your customers, you wanted to, like, not be a jerk to your suppliers, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? So you were probably still trying to do a good thing by your different stakeholders just out of business necessity, if nothing else, in previous incarnations. So what gives it, how do you kind of detect that sense of that extra sense of purpose in this, in this business? Yeah, yeah. I think it's really my, my third one, the last one called Live Safe, is where I really started to shift the, the full mindset. It was a very mission-oriented company around making our world a safer place. And we did that through a mobile app that helped crowdsource safety effectively. With Hungry, I think it's it's thinking beyond just the client, though, right? It's really thinking about the other uh, stakeholders, as you said, that that we interface with. Um, you know, it's it's the chefs who are partners on the platform. It's the communities where we operate. Um, it, it's having a, a, I think, a bigger, broader perspective than just how do I make something that people will buy. Um, and and I think that's what really translates into into and in, in the process as well. It's it's. It's incorporating ways of making the world better. We do that through, we provide a meal for every two that we sell in order to help fight you know, hunger in, in, in the community. Um, we focus a great deal on environmental sustainability. And so those are kind of our two key pillars around giving back in the community. And so there's just things that we do that I think make our business better, but, but, uh, but also you know, help, help you know, with, with regards to the broader world around us as well. So you started to answer my next question there actually around some specific areas and you gave two there. Perhaps let me just probe a little bit more. Is there any other ways in which, for example, that kind of broader stakeholder view shows up that you've made perhaps different decisions as you've grown the business than you perhaps would have done if you'd had a, I don't know, finance first mindset, for example? Yeah, I think having um, that broader perspective helped us think about you know, even creating the model that we use, which is a marketplace model where we're providing this platform for chef entrepreneurship. Um, we have hundreds and hundreds of independent chefs that now, um, you know, provide food, really cook on the Hungry platform. And for, for a chef, if your passion is cooking and you become a professional chef, you don't do it because it's a good financial decision. You do it because you enjoy cooking. And, uh, and it's, a, you know, it's a challenging career path. And so what's really, I think, exciting about Hungry is we provide chefs this alternative path where they can make way more money, have much more lifestyle flexibility, which is a key challenge in a, in a chef career, and, and cook their own recipes. And so um, just each of the different parts of our business, we try to think more holistically. And in the process, we've created, I think, a much more compelling solution for our clients than just, okay, we want to provide catering for, for corporate America. Let's go build a kitchen and start making food. Ours is a much more dynamic uh, platform because we've got you know hundreds of chefs all specializing in their best dishes. And so you get you know a, a, more, a stronger value proposition for our clients. But in the process, we're also creating a uh, you know, a much better, you know, career path for our, our, our chefs as well. Mm. Yeah, that's really clear. Thank you. Let's go back to this again, this shift as, as you, as you set up the business, you said there was beginnings of a shift in your previous, in your previous business. 
What was the internal change that, or the aha moment that led to you saying, you know what, I want this next business to have a mission, to have a purpose? Yeah, well, I, I think after, um, you know, maybe it's as, I, as I've grown older, um, you know, you start to reflect on life and, and the impact that you're having. And, and for me, you know, leaving the world better than I found it is, is really, really important. And, uh, and, and, and so, again, that's why, for me, it's very motivating to try to build a business that's designed you know, by its very nature to have a positive impact. Um, but I think it also, you know, what I realize is this isn't just for me. It actually translates into good business strategy in that um, it makes it, you know, for a much more exciting place for people to want to work here, right? They, they come people who want to work here, you know, are passionate about these things and, uh, and are motivated by them as well. Um, and so I think that translates into better business performance. So it's, it's really, I believe, a win-win. You know, it's, it's a win-win-win. You know, the, I'm better off, the team's better off, and the world's better off. And so you know, the more we can find those, like, those, those types of alignment uh, in business, I think you know, that translates into great success. Yeah, yeah. And I think well, I've seen that in many, yeah, many cases, right, that uh, the more we connect into sense of purpose, the more we magnetize people to us and to the business. I think that's the case. And I see it for my lead, my, the clients I work with as well, right? They're leading all sorts of businesses, but when they actually connect to something that's deeply important to who they are, their influence goes way up. Yeah. And I think it becomes across much more authentic as well, right? If it's really kind of core to who they are. I mean, we, we have nine core values that we live by. And, you know, a lot of those are the ones that I, I would call personal core values as well. So I think there has to be, you know, deep alignment, um, we also focus a lot here, Hungary, on, on culture and environment and, and have since the very early days. Um, and I'd say that's something else that I was you know, terrible at in, in my first company or two. You know, we were, just didn't think about it. It wasn't that I think we had a bad culture. I just didn't really put any energy around it. It just was what it was. We're here. We're really trying to foster a very specific type of environment um, and, and use our nine core values uh, as as a, you know, essentially the ingredients for success. It, it really kind of helps define the type of environment we're, we're trying to foster here. So if you were sitting down for a nice lunch with another entrepreneur about to start a business and you were talking about culture, what would be your kind of top three tips for how you actually intentionally build a great culture? Great question. So at first I'd say, you know, get super clear with the type of environment that you want to have and then put definition around it. So the way we do that is through our purpose and our values. Um, and, uh, and, and we use our values uh, as part of our screening tools when we're, when we're you know, hiring new employees. Um, it's used in, in terms of uh, if, if folks are out of alignment with, with our values, um, you know, it, it's a way of making it very clear, like this is not the kinds of behaviors that, that um, are acceptable here at Hungary and, and that will lead to success for, for ourselves and, and our teammates. And so I think the clarity uh, that, that you can you create around it is, is really key. Um, second would be living by it. You know, I think you, you've, it's not just here's how I want the employees to live, but it's how you know, the company has to operate. And, and that's from the leadership on down. And so what I always tell team members is this is a two-way commitment that this is, you know, if you ever find us out of alignment with one of these core values, you let me know and my job is to fix that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an environment that we're all, all behind. And then third is I'd, I'd say just trying to constantly reinforce it. You know, you want to live it. You want to reinforce it in various ways. Talk about it constantly, and and I think it becomes you know more and more integrated into uh, the way people think and uh, and and the way that we operate. I love I love it. It's really clear. You get clear. Live by it. Reinforce it. You've got nine values. If you had to kind of really focus on like one that's made perhaps 
the biggest difference, like like the awareness of that one value has perhaps made the biggest difference over doing it accidentally. Is there one that jumps to mind? Well, um, yeah, they're actually on the wall here behind me. You can see all nine. Um, so I don't know if it's the biggest difference. I think each one is is important, but but one that that my one of my co-founders you know suggested early on that I was actually a little bit skeptical on, but I learned has been really important is is the, is one of our core values is positivity. And I was like, is that soft and fuzzy and like, isn't that, you know, kind of lame? But, uh, but, it, but it really is true. You know, you know, when you're in a, a startup environment and you're trying to build something new, do something no one's ever done before, it's really hard and you're going to mess up a bunch and, and you know, things aren't always going to work like you expect. And, and it's a high stress environment. You've got limited funding and limited time. And so it's easy to get, you know, frustrated and get negative. And then as people get negative, it, it results in a very toxic place. And so um, we work really hard to try to, you know, make sure we're staying positive. Doesn't mean our head's in the cloud. We don't acknowledge if we make mistakes. We do lots of postmortems to try to understand what went wrong. But it's it's not a blame game. It's really about, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how do we do things better and constantly improve and then celebrate that along the way. And so I, I'd say... Uh, you know, that's something that um, I have learned over time how important that is. And, uh, uh, and, I, and it really translates into, I think, a much more empowering, positive environment where people are excited to be a part of, as opposed to one where you just don't worry about that. And, and I think things can sometimes, you know, turn negative and you don't have a mechanism to, 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 to steer that back in, in the way you want it to. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. This is just a quick interlude to introduce you to two transformative programs that we run. The first is Rivendell, my exclusive group of top CEOs who are committed to transforming themselves, their businesses, and the world. It's an incredible peer group and a deep coaching experience that will push you to new heights, no matter how successful you've already been. The second is Impact Accelerator, a coaching program for executives who are ready to make a big leap forward in their own leadership. It's regularly described as life-changing and no other program provides such personal strategic clarity, a measurable shift in stakeholder perceptions and a world-class leadership development environment. Find out about both of these programs at xquadrant.com services. Now back to the conversation. Yeah, thank you. You talked about there as positivity as an antidote to some of the or as a, as a strength uh, when you're dealing with difficult, challenging, uh, turbulent situations. Uh, one thing I know about the business is that very early on, in fact, just after I think you raised some funds and financing for the business, you had to make a choice about to, to actually pivot the business, go after a wholly different market segment. So just pass, tell us about that, because that sounds like that was quite a, a difficult decision to make. So, so shortly after you just sold investors a whole story, to go back to them and say, actually, we're doing something different now. Tell me about what happened. Yes, yes. Um, this is this is not in the textbooks of how you're supposed to start, but uh, we we began life as a B two C concept. So the idea was office workers, but selling you know uh, food from local chefs, you know, directly, you know, one by one. And uh, we launched. We, we raised money right before launching, a little over a million dollars, and. Within you know 45 days, we could quickly see you know sales were growing, and the faster sales grew, the, sh- the smaller our bank account was getting. You know, it's just it's hard to make money you know selling one or two meals at a time in a delivery you know scenario. Um, look at DoorDash and Uber Eats, right? They've taken a long time to kind of get to 
get you know, are still still trying to get to full profitability. And uh, but what we we suddenly discovered was um, there was opportunities around you know providing larger you know orders. We, we received a thirty person order and a forty person order, um, and this was to you know for team lunches and. We didn't know anything about catering, to be honest. Um, had never even thought about that as, as part of the business. And we quickly realized, oh my gosh, this is, makes so much more sense. We can make a lot of money if we sell 30 or 40 meals at a time versus one or two meals at a time. And literally within 60 days of launch, um, we decided to completely pivot the business to office catering. And that rippled through our entire business. We had to completely throw out all the technology we've been building for a year and start over um, our, our service you know approach our, our go-to-market approach um, it, it seemed like a small change initially but but it ended up you know completely changing everything about our business and so so yes I had to call our investors back who just written checks and given us money and were so excited about this b2c idea and tell them hey we're gonna do catering instead and uh, you know, they were like, what do you know about catering? It's like, absolutely nothing, but but you got to trust me on this. This is going to be a better path. And thank goodness we did. We'd be we'd be probably dead today if we, we'd kept down the original path. So how did those calls go when they when, when they pushed back or said, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, some went okay. I think, you know, they, they were largely, you know, supportive and saying, look, I, I'm investing in you and I trust in you. Um, some were, you know, give me my money back. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, no, like we need it, we were, you know, but, you know, trust me, this is going to work out. And, uh, um, but, uh, luckily they'd already invested. So we, we had some time to, to prove it to them and, and, uh, they're all, they're all up quite a bit now. So they're, they're all pretty happy. How did you feel picking up the phone to those investors? Uh, it was dread. Um, I didn't want to do it at all. And, uh, but I actually thought back on my second company, we had, had, had stayed really wedded to a given path, kind of the approach that we'd sold investors on and had a mindset that, well, this is what they invested in. We've got to keep going, you know, you know, with this. And, and, and I, in retrospect, I, I think that was the absolutely wrong decision. I think what they invested in was us and wanted us to figure out how to make a successful business. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, I, I failed them in that, in that, you know, we, we took, you know, years to kind of finally, you know, start to adjust when we should have done it much, much sooner. So I, I, I tried to think back on that as, you know, key learning and, and feeling like I'm not going to make that same mistake. So, you know, this might not work out, but at least I'll feel like I've, I've done everything I can to, to make this a successful business rather than be just wedded to what I initially pitched. Yeah. Yeah. So that required, yeah, so it required some some leadership strength, right? Because, yeah, so you take, you know, people just written you large checks and now is your moment to actually stand up and say, you need to trust me, follow me, back me. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was definitely not like the call you want to make. It was, uh, but, uh, but I, I, I found solace in, in that was the, I knew it was the right thing for us to do. And I think that came through in those discussions. Yeah, beautiful. So I, I know, Jeff, that you talk about your business as, as a movement <laughs> in some ways. So tell me about that. Like, what's the movement that you're trying to lead or embody? Yeah, well, I, I think it's just, you know, trying to get everybody rallied around a cause or, uh, you know, or feel like they're, they're, they're involved in, in, in something that is helping make, you know, the world a better place. So uh, at, at my last company at Live Safe around, you know, making the world a safer place, it was, you know, super clear at Hungary. Yeah, there's multiple components to it, which in some ways I think makes it not quite as, as, as blatantly obvious, but um, but as I mentioned, it's a platform for chef empowerment. It's a platform for um, helping, you know, with fighting hunger and, and, and giving back in the communities that where we operate. 
And, and also we work hard on trying to create an environment that helps uplift our team, helping grow people personally and professionally. So it's, it's a movement through the sense of, you know, we are trying to do something that makes everyone better off in the process. And, uh, and, and that, you know, translates into um, a great place to work, um, a, a hopefully a better service for our clients and, and a more positive impact on the world around us. So tell me about where you currently are in the business. Uh, you know, what's kind of, what are the opportunities and, and, and threats or, you know, pressures that, that you're facing at this point in, in the business's development? Yeah, yeah. We, well, we started in the, in the Washington, D.C. area um, and really focused the first couple of years on building out our technology platform. So we're very tech-enabled uh, business offering that enables, you know, what, what is a, still a fairly unique, you know, business um, uh, but today we now operate in 13 major cities across the country. Um, we are growing, you know, at, at exponential rates. We'll we'll do around 50 million in, in revenue this year. We were uh, uh, raised money at the end of last year that valued us about 270 million. So we we've certainly made some pretty good progress so far. And uh, uh, and what's nice is is uh, return to office continues to happen. Uh, here in the U.S., we, we expect that will continue, you know, for the foreseeable future, and so that's translating into a fast-growing market for us to to operate in. And uh, we have a very disruptive, you know, I think you know, structurally superior model than anything else out there. And so it's really about you know trying to execute well and 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 take advantage of the opportunity in front of us. And so, if we're having this conversation in you know three to five years, uh, what does multiplying your impact look for, for for Hungary as a business? So our, our, our focus is very much on, you know, you know, rapid expansion. So you'll see us in, in a much broader, you know, sort of geographic set of cities. We, we aspire to be in a position to go public by 2025. And, and I'd say three years from now, we'd be starting to look at, you know, and, and beginning to do uh, more uh, international expansion as well. So um, lots of things, you know, internally that, you know, that you know, we, we want to continue to improve upon that will help our chefs and provide, you know, more compelling solution for our, our, our clients. Um, but a lot of it's just, you know, executing and, you know, growing and, and getting bigger and better as we, as we go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, many, many options. I mean, going public by itself is, is a whole thing, but then you see you've got your geographic expansion within the U S then elsewhere. Um, at the same time, one of my favorite questions is what will you need to do differently yourself as leader? So what's the kind of stretch for you that will kind of release more impact, that will help you multiply your impact, right? Because every leader at some stages, every leader is effectively a bottleneck, right? By definition, we're creating the results we're creating. So I'm always curious, what's the shift that you might need to work on to be that leader who can make this happen? Well, I think as, as, as most entrepreneurs who are CEOs, um, you know, we, we, we tend to, because we're entrepreneurs, you know, love to get in the middle and solve every problem. Uh, and, and so as the business grows and, and the team expands, you know, part of what I need to, to continue to work on is to not always sort of jump into the middle of things, but to really empower the team to, to solve the problems and, uh, and, and be more strategic, you know, be more higher level. Um, so as the company continues to grow, that's definitely an area of focus of mine uh, is making sure that I'm doing what the CEO is supposed to be doing and, and, uh, and empowering and, and trusting in the team to do the things that you know, they're hired for. Yeah, well, it's, that's an answer I hear, I hear a lot, to be honest, as you can probably imagine. Well, about my book, right, Making Time for Strategy, because uh, so many leaders, we get distracted by all the things that, are, that we can, where we can add value. Uh, 
and unfortunately we therefore miss some of those incremental the the exponential moments right we, we get stuck in the incremental we do i think yeah i think sometimes it's i enjoy it you know and sometimes it's uh you know, you feel like you're you're needed and uh and you're right i think yeah, you're you're not creating the space to do that so like i i actually am trying to force it more i i, I set aside time on tuesday mornings to not do you know anything tactical and, and try to you know create space to to, to, to think and be more strategic and then help kind of reprioritize my, my, my week and my month. But uh, it, it, for, for me, it's still a learning process. So I definitely need to read your book. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, one thing I talk about is, is to help shift people's uh, minds on this is I, I think call it the infinity trap. You know, the infinity trap is really where we have an infinite amount of things on our plate. Pretty much everybody does because of technology now, right? And we, to go through that, we generally step on the accelerator and actually, the more we work, the more tunnel vision we get. And so we actually feel that we're making progress because we can see all the things that we're doing uh, and we're feeling quite good about it and we're getting the dopamine hit and, uh, and, and the like. But because our view of going, our creativity has just gone down and our ability to spot things just off to one side that could make a difference has, has kind of vanished. And I think that's kind of often one of the biggest things the leaders have to struggle with and have to overcome uh, these days. I think it makes all kinds of sense. I could very much relate to that. I feel like I get a lot done every day, and but still, there's always more. And and uh, like you said, you, you're struggling to find the time to pull back and, and and be more creative and think more strategically. So, so Jeff, it's been a really interesting conversation. You know, I've, I've loved uh, kind of looking at your journey from from this kind of multiple time uh, uh, entrepreneur to really thinking I want to create something purpose driven about what that looks like in your particular business as you create a marketplace business to look at the stakeholders involved and an ethos that runs through the company, the culture, uh, focusing on positivity, looking at what growth looks like for you. And yeah, and then getting honest about, well, you know, where are the things where I might need to let go, right? And not jump in uh, in order to, to step back and, and release more time for myself, for yourself and, and, and more uh, responsibility for others. So I think we've covered a really interesting um, spectrum of issues today. If people want to find out more about Hungry uh, or about you, where do they do that? Sure. Um, you go to our website at tryhungry.com, T-R-Y, hungry.com. And uh, uh, yep, you can learn all about us there. Perfect. Jeff, well, I look forward to um, watching along as you, uh, as you continue to expand the business and uh, make a lot, of, lot more people less hungry. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here today. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Well, that's a wrap. If you received value from this conversation, please do leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. We'd deeply appreciate it. And if you'd like to check out the show notes from this episode, head to xquadrant.com slash podcast, where you'll find all the details. Now, finally, when you're in top leadership, who supports and challenges you at a deep level to help you multiply your impact? Discover more about the different ways we can support you at xquadrant.com.